It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The New York Islanders are outplayed and beaten at their own game in a 5-2 loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. We'll explain what went wrong and what chances the Islanders have to bounce back and extend this series Tuesday when it heads back to Carolina. All that and more on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Sart tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. want to thank you for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. And please do subscribe on the podcatcher of your choice or on YouTube to get every new episode as they drop. Today's episode is sponsored by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. We've got a lot to discuss on today's show, but first, if there's something Islanders related on your mind, if you have a question, a comment, maybe a topic you'd like us to talk about on the show, feel free to send us an email The email address, as always, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your first name and where you're from, we are happy to mention you on the show when we discuss whatever it is that's on your mind. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. And you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news, notes, and happenings. And I am live tweeting during every Islanders home and road playoff game. So join me for some instant insight and analysis. And hey, it's great to interact and talk Islanders hockey with fellow Islanders fans, game time or any time. Disappointing performance by the New York Islanders in Game 4. This was a game this team really needed to win if they were hoping to even the series and and make this a dogfight. Now it's in desperation mode. And, you know, this was in some ways uh, the opposite of what we're used to seeing from the Islanders because this team came out from the drop of the puck, the opening faceoff, and they meant business. And I would say that... The first period from uh, uh, dictating the tone of the game and and the way things were going, uh, the Islanders outplayed Carolina in the first period. Now, they were losing after the first period by a score of one to nothing. And there was a reason for that. And look, I'll get this part out of the way right away. 
there were a bunch of calls, two to be exact, that I think really hurt the Islanders. And the power plays in this game, the Hurricanes had five, the Islanders had three. But there were two of those five that in my mind were just absolutely horse bleep calls. They were just bad. The first one was a goalie interference call against Zach Parise, which was only two minutes and 41 seconds into the game. And that was, if you look at the replay, Parise was clearly pushed into the crease and into the goaltender by a Hurricanes defender, and there was just no way that should have been called goaltender interference. Then, less than a minute later, Ryan Polak is called for boarding. That was a legitimate call. It was almost a major. I think they did the right thing in making it into a minor for boarding. Jack Drury turned at the last instant, and therefore it was rightfully called a minor because him turning after Polak had committed to the hit that really sort of uh, ruined things right there for the Islanders. And then you're down two guys. You're, you're in a five-on-three penalty kill situation, and there was just no way for the Islanders to uh, slow down that five-on-three, cover everyone, and Seth Jarvis had a rebound that was more or less a tap-in. He was left alone to the le- side of the left post, and, or, well, right post if you're Ilya Sorokin, left post if you're uh, on the attack, and, you know, nothing you could have done about that goal, and, and, and look, uh, can't blame the goalie, you could say there wasn't good coverage, but when you're down two men, it's very hard to cover everybody, and all of a sudden, you know, one nothing. That being said, the Islanders kept hitting, and in the first period, they carried the play. The shots on goal in the first period were 9-7 in favor of the Islanders. And if not for the 5-on-3 and another power play that the Islanders were, uh, you know, g- gave up, I-, I think that the Islanders either were even or, you know, it's either 0-0 or the Islanders have a, a even bigger advantage when it comes to the way the game was being played. Now, the second penalty that was absolutely horrible was the call when Brent Burns goes off for cross-checking at 8.43. Matthew Barzal is called for embellishment. And the Islanders were already on a power play. And the ironic thing is, the the play by Burns was a flagrant cross-check. I mean, I'm not going to say it was intentionally a dirty play. I don't think Brent Burns is an intentionally dirty player. But it was clearly a cross-check. And you got the feeling that the officials did not want to give the Islanders a five-on-three. So they called Barzal for embellishment. I have a problem, and if you've watched the show long enough, you know I have a problem with the way the league hands out embellishment penalties. To me, embellishment should be called when there is no trip or there is no cross-check and the guy dives and tries to draw a penalty and the embellishment should result in a power play for the other team. 
I don't like the fact that the league says, yes, there was a trip, or yes, in this case, there was a cross-check, but there was also embellishment, and therefore, we take both players off. I think that's weak, and it really sort of defeats the purpose of the embellishment penalty. But if you go back and look at the replay, there was no embellishment by Barzal at all. He fell to the ice. He sort of straightened himself out, maybe grabbed his arm for a second, and the, the whistle was blown one second, maybe one and a half seconds after the cross-check takes place. So what was the embellishment? Should he have not gone down at all? And then why are you calling cross-checking if the cross-check was not so uh, strong and heavy that Barzal shouldn't have gone down at all? So I thought that was a very, very Bush League call. And it would have given the Islanders a five-on-three. Now, look, the way the Islanders' power play has played throughout this series, I'm not saying that the five-on-three would have resulted in a goal because the Islanders' power play has been dreadful. And, look, it's been, it was dreadful again in this game. The Islanders were 0-for-3 on the power play. The Canes were 2-for-5. And that was one of the many differences in this game. But what those two calls did, in my mind, that was important for the New York Islanders and really affected things, was that it made the Islanders stop hitting. And all of a sudden, they felt like anything they do, they're going to end up in the penalty box. So while for the majority of the first period, the Islanders were dictating the tempo of the game and were out hitting, the Carolina Hurricanes, they sort of took their foot off the gas, and by the end of the game, on Long Island, the Islanders were out-hit 42-32. to 32. You, The Islanders are not the more talented team, and when you're the not-as-talented team, you've got to outwork, out-hustle, and do all the things that you need to do to make up for that deficit. And in the Islanders' case, it's be physical and wear down the Hurricanes. Well, they stopped doing that, probably partially in response to these questionable calls. I'll tell you this, even with the bad calls, it was a mistake to not be physical and not play their game and not continue to grind and work the, the physicality of it into their game plan. And that was a big problem for the Islanders in the last 40 minutes of this game. We'll also, you know, th there were a lot of other issues in this game, and we're going to go over them, but that, those two penalties changed the tone, and the Islanders went from the team dictating play to a team that was hesitant, and you're not going to beat the Carolina Hurricanes the way they play if you're hesitant. We have got a lot more to get to on today's show. We will talk about the turning point of this game. Plus, we will talk about our unsung hero and go to the game and start to look ahead to what the Islanders need to do differently in Game 5. We've got all that and a lot more coming up on this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets for your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. 
with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Just download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL, one word, for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So the turning point of this game, to me, and there were a lot of reasons why the Islanders lost, and we're going to get deeper into them, but the turning point of this game came at the end of the first period. It's a one nothing hockey game. The Islanders, for most of the first period, were clearly playing their style and were the better team. And after the final whistle, Matt Martin is called for an unnecessary roughing penalty against Mackenzie McEachern. And... Look, I know what Matt Martin was trying to do, and there was a little bit of a scuffle at the end of the period... But you, you can go in there and, and, and shove and push and scuffle all you want, but you either have to make sure you don't take a penalty or you get matching penalties, coincidental minors. If you're off for roughing, you better make sure McEachern is off for rough, roughing also. Result, the Islanders start the second period shorthanded, and a minute and 15 into the period, it's a 2 nothing game, power play goal by Martin Neckes, and uh, let, let's face it, that was a poor coverage goal. The two defensemen both went to the wrong spot, nobody picked up the goal scorer, and bingo, it is a 2 nothing hockey game before you can get yourself back from the intermission when you went to go buy some food. And that just changed the entire complexion of the hockey game. Now you're down two to nothing. And when you're down two to nothing to the Carolina Hurricanes, you're in trouble because Carolina's game is take away time and space. As soon as the Islanders have the puck, there was somebody on them most of the time. And the Islanders, for the rest of the game, were not the more physical team. They were not able to create very much offense in this game, and they started coughing up the puck. One stat that I think is so revealing in this game and explains why the Islanders didn't win is that the Islanders had 20 giveaways to just nine for the Carolina Hurricanes. And... If you're coughing up the puck like that, you are not going to win. And I can't blame one player for the giveaways because 
almost every player on the Islanders roster had at least one. Anders Lee had three. Kyle Palmieri, two. Matthew Barzal, two. Hudson Fashing, two. Alexander Romanov, two. It, it was... It was like a a, a, a a real rash of giveaways. And, you know, I could sit here and say, oh, yeah, the Islanders were sloppy with the puck. But you know what? You give credit to the Carolina Hurricanes because they took away time and space and they forced those giveaways. Uh, and and, and they, their pressure and their style of play made the Islanders cough up the puck the way they did. So the Islanders were basically beaten at their own game in this contest. Carolina, for the last 40 minutes, was more physical. They were on the the Islanders anytime they had the puck, and they won those 50-50 battles. And look, you know, I'm not going to say Ilya Sorokin was to blame. I don't think any of the Five goals were soft goals where you say, oh, yeah, Sorokin should have had that one. No way that should have gone in the net. He wants that one back. But we also know that the New York Islanders need Ilya Sorokin to be... He has to have his A game. He has to almost stand on his head like he did in Game 3 for the Islanders to have a chance to win. And you know what? He was okay in this game. He didn't give up any softies, but he didn't bail the team out enough either. And I, I think I can count only maybe one or two instances where I would sit back and say, yeah, you know what? Uh, Ilya Sorokin kept the team in the game with that particular save. The Islanders need more than that. And, you know, you look at the, at the goal chart and the shot chart at the end of the game. Islanders had about five, maybe six high danger chances. Carolina had nine or ten, and all five of their goals. Three uh, three of them, no, four of them, excuse me, were at the highest danger areas from right outside the crease, and one of them was dead center in between the circles, right equal to the face-off dot, basically the deep slot. So, you know, these are not goals where you say, oh yeah, Ilya Sorokin, that was his fault. How did he screw that up? Because he didn't. But boy, oh boy, was this uh, a disappointing performance for the New York Islanders, and they are going to have to be better in Game 4, or else this year is going to be over. Now, don't forget, it's the Islanders and the Hurricanes. Game four, 7 o'clock Eastern time on Tuesday. You can catch every minute of this big playoff game with an Islanders hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Islanders. So, you know, the Islanders need to do a lot of things better. But let, let me talk about a couple of bright spots from this game, and I have to admit, there aren't a lot of them. Let's hope, let's start with this, let's hope that Bo Horvat's shorthanded goal at the end of the game, and it really didn't mean anything as far as the outcome was concerned, the Islanders were already down 5-1 at that point, there's two minutes and three seconds left in the game, 
But let's hope that that goal gives him a little confidence and a little juice. And to be honest with you, I'm kind of tired of saying that about Bo Horvat. We, I remember he was in the long, goalless slump. He got an empty net goal, and we all said, okay, at least that'll give him some confidence. And then he scored a, a goal late in the season, and we all said, yeah, okay, that'll get him going. So far, it hasn't. And the offense just hasn't been there for Bo Horvat in this series. That was, his, that was his first goal of the series. I believe his first point of the series. But either way, the Islanders need more production, more offense created from Bo Horvat. And I'm hoping that that shorthanded goal gets him going. And look, again, all credit to the Carolina Hurricanes for taking these players away. But look at, look at the shot breakdown. Bo Horvat scored. That shorthanded breakaway was his only shot on goal of the game. You know how many shots on goal Kyle Palmieri had? None. Zero. J.G. Pajot, one. Pierre Engvall, Zach Parise, none. I mean, these are the guys that you need. Anders Lee had two. Brock Nelson had three. Matthew Barzal had two. No Islanders forward had more than three shots on goal. That was Brock Nelson. And the only ones with two were Lee and Barzal. You have got to get more offense from your forwards if you hope to do better in Game 5. And that's going to be one of the keys. The Islanders' offense was non-existent when the defense didn't step up. So don't forget, Game 5, Islanders, Hurricanes, 7 o'clock Eastern Time on Tuesday. You can catch every minute of this big playoff game with an Islanders hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. On the SXM app, just search Islanders. We will have our unsung hero and our go to the game, and we'll start to look ahead to game five, and we got to hope that it is not the last game of the season for the New York Islanders. We've got that plus our Islanders birthday of the day still to come on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So, unsung hero and goat of the game, and it is not easy to find an unsung hero. But I am going to go with Scott Mayfield. Mayfield assisted on the Bo Horvat goal. He had two shots, three hits, and five blocked shots. And the five blocked shots did lead the team, Alexander Romanov, just behind him with four. But overall, I'm going to give it to Scott Mayfield because he has actually played solid hockey throughout this series. And he genuinely did a good job with uh, what he did. I guess Adam Pellick would be another possibility, but he scored a goal, so he would sort of be, in my mind, the Islanders' top player in the game, not the unsung hero, but the closest thing they had to a hero. Uh, but to me, Scott Mayfield gets the unsung hero. For the GOAT, I, I got to go with Matt Martin uh, taking that foolish penalty at the end of the first period that really, to me, 
created the turning point and let's see how it plays out. We do have an email, Christopher in the Bronx. Um, question, he had a, a three questions. I'll get to them quickly. Uh, why is it so hard to stop Sebastian Ajo? He's 35 and he should be declining at this point. Uh, well, he's also still a very good player. Scored 36 goals, 67 points in just 75 games this year. He is smart in his spacing and he has good quickness. He puts himself in a position to succeed, led the Hurricanes in goals with 36, and even at the age of 35, he is still a quality player. Uh, second question from Christopher, do you think we should fire the power play coach and find someone with an expertise that'll make us the number, uh, I guess number one is missing, power play team next year? Uh Christopher, I will discuss that more in the offseason, but the short answer to your question is, yeah, I think changes need to be made with the way the power play is coached. And if you've been listening or watching all year, you know I agree with that. And then I don't like to wish an injury on a player, but isn't there a time when there's no choice but to injure the opposing player's te- uh, team's player in order to weaken the opposing team? What options, what other options are there? No, uh, you can't intentionally injure the opposing team's player. You can be physical. You can keep hitting them legally. And if they get injured, you know, they get injured. But I, I can't root for injuries. And I don't think it's appropriate to go out and intentionally try to injure another player. And I'll say this, the Islanders, you know, you talk about Matt Martin. You talk about Cal Clutterbuck, Casey Sezikis. None of those guys... They're all physical, but none of them are dirty, and I think that makes a difference. So what do the Islanders have to do to get back into this series on the road? Number one, get back to being physical. And uh, Christopher from the Bronx, thank you so much for the questions. They got to get back to being physical, and if there are penalties called, you know, let them fall where they may, but this team will not beat Carolina if they're not out hitting them and out physical and playing more physical hockey than they are. And they've got to be smart. They can't take dumb penalties, unnecessary penalties. You get called, you know, for uh, a hit like the, uh, you know, the penalty that ended up giving up the five on three, the Ryan Pollock penalty. You know, that wasn't intentional, but it was he was being physical. The player turned at the last instant. It was the right call boarding. Okay, I can live with that. But that roughing call at the end of the of the game by uh, end of the first period by Martin, you know, that was just not a smart penalty to take. So, you know, keep being physical, keep the forecheck aggressive, and you got to be quicker and more decisive with the puck. And yeah, oh yeah, special teams have got to step up for this team. The the Canes are successful on their power play. The Islanders are not, and if that doesn't change, if they can't even just break even on special teams, they're not winning the series. Time for our Islanders' birthday of the day. Sunday was the 71st birthday of former Islanders center Wayne Merrick, originally a first-round pick of the Blues in 1972, had a couple of uh, 20-goal seasons for the Blues, a 25-goal season for the California Golden Seals, Uh, where he actually had 32 goals because he started that season in St. Louis and had a 20-goal season with the Isles in 78-79 after coming over a year earlier in a midseason trade with the Cleveland Barons. And Merrick, good speed, 
a good checker and a very gr- good third line center for the Islanders when they got Butch Goring in 1980 at the trade deadline. That allowed Merrick to drop down from second line center to third line center, and that fit him at that point in his career so well, and it gave the Islanders depth that they never had before. It was a great move. His best game as an Islander, well, we're going to go back to February 1st, 1978 at Madison Square Garden, Islanders and the Rangers, and in that game, Wayne Merrick had two goals and an assist. He was a plus two, had six shots on goal, which led the team, and yes, he had the game winner as the Islanders beat the Rangers 7-6 to six at Madison Square Garden. Wayne Thomas was the uh, Rangers goalie who was victimized in that, so uh, a four-time Stanley Cup winner with the Islanders, Wayne Merrick, he is our Islanders' birthday of the day. So I want to thank everyone again for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. Every dayers, tomorrow on the show, we, we will discuss tomorrow night's game against the Carolina Hurricanes. We'll have a full preview of it and a whole lot more. We'll break down some of the things the Islanders need to improve on to stay alive and bring this series back to the UBS arena. So make sure you join us every day for more of the best in-depth coverage of the New York Islanders. Don't forget, Game uh, game 5 in Carolina, Tuesday at 7 o'clock Eastern Time, and you can listen to every minute of this big playoff game with the Islanders' hometown broadcast on SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Islanders. Hang in there, everybody. Have a great day. Stay safe. Don't give up the faith. And of course, let's go Islanders. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.